Welcome to Riches in Christ Radio Ministry with Diane Kennedy. Please stay tuned at the end of today's lesson. We'll give you information on how you can acquire this week's tape, along with information about our weekly meetings and website. Now, here's Diane Kennedy. This week, we are continuing our discussion of the importance of knowing the hope to which we are called. And we're specifically focusing on hope in the midst of hard times. Increasingly chaotic and challenging times are coming on this earth and will continue to come on this earth up until the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. His return is near and the Bible is clear. Times will grow more and more difficult. We're seeing increasing unrest, social, political, economic, racial in our own country. Nations around the world are seeing the same thing. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why that's happening. Those are lessons for another day. Our point is we need to know how to look at what's happening so that we can hold on to hope in the midst of it. God's plan of redemption is unfolding. Jesus is coming back to complete the plan of God by cleansing the earth of all corruption and death and establishing the visible kingdom of God on this earth where all of his sons and daughters will be reunited with their original physical bodies raised from the dead to live on this earth forever. And we left off yesterday kind of in the middle of something, so I want to get right back into it. Part of our hope in the hard times uh, comes from looking at God's track record. By that I mean the Bible is filled with examples of real people who are fellow members of the body of Christ, fellow members of the family of God. They're in heaven now because they lived out their life on this earth and they've gone to heaven, but they lived through political, social, and economic upheaval brought on by government decisions that they didn't agree with and they had no part in. Our, Our own country is dealing with great strife and great turmoil over conflict regarding the political situation in our country. And we've been making the point, whichever side, whichever point of view you hold to, that's your right. But you have no right to get into strife with fellow members of the body of Christ and you have who, who hold a differing view. And you have no right to forget what's most important. And what's most important is that people come to saving knowledge of Jesus. That's way more important than people coming to agree with your political point of view or my political point of view. Now, I said yesterday, the Bible is 50% history, particularly the Old Testament. And Romans 15.4 says that the things that were written in the Old Testament were written in part to give us hope. It shows, it gives examples of real people who lived through political, economic, and social chaos and upheaval caused by poor government decisions that they did not agree with, but yet they reaped the consequences of them. Their stories give us hope. If you're in disagreement with the way the government is being run, Uh, Well, let me back up. The government can make decisions that affects our lives. We know that. And if you agree with the decisions, no problem. But if you disagree with the decisions, there's not a whole lot you can do other than to try to vote some people out and new people in. Uh, Now, we're in in a place right now where people are advocating social unrest 
to remove the government. That's going to bring its own set of chaos. But that's a whole can of worms for another day. My point is we're in a time and a place where we are being increasingly affected by decisions made by other people, decisions that have big effects, and we don't have any control in the circumstance. We get affected by their decisions even if we don't agree with them. And we have to know how to live with that as Christians. So I want to give you examples of two, well, actually I'm going to give a lot more than two, but I want to start out today with two people. You've heard their names. Uh, I'll tell you who they are in just a minute. Real people who are in heaven now, fellow members of the family of God, who experienced quite a bit of chaos in their lives because of poor governmental decisions. Uh, but I had to give you a little history to sort of set it up. We left off yesterday. Uh, we were talking about how the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, the man God set apart as the people group through whom the Redeemer would come, and he led them to the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel, which is actually a land bridge between three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, Trade routes passed through the area, and they were supposed to be a light of the true God to an idol-worshipping world. Um, the, we could actually do a whole lesson on why God put them in that particular place, but we don't have the time for it. But uh, Israel did pretty well for a while. Under King David and his son King Solomon, they became a great nation that shined the light of the one true God, Jehovah, God Almighty, to the world around them. But after Solomon died, in the time of his son, Rehoboam, a civil war broke out, and the nation of Israel divided into two pieces, a northern kingdom known as Israel and a southern kingdom known as Judah. And during this period, God's people went deep into idolatry and depravity. Um... In the northern kingdom, every king over a 250-year period, well, there were 20 different kings altogether. They were all wicked. In the southern kingdom, out of 20 kings, only eight of them were godly, and the kings set the tone for their nation, and the people followed the leadership in and out of idolatry. Now, God had warned them before he settled them in the land of Canaan that if they abandoned him to worship false gods, their enemies would overrun them and remove them from the land. You can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Over 250-year period, God sent prophets to call his people back to them and to warn them of coming destruction at the hands of their enemies if they didn't repent. See, that's what he said will happen. If you abandon me for idols, when you get overrun by your enemies, you're on your own, and you'll be overrun. Um, a remnant of people within both the northern and southern kingdom remained faithful to God, but most of the people did not listen to the prophets. And consequently, in 722 B.C., Israel, the northern kingdom, was overrun by the Assyrian Empire. And God's people were removed from their land and scattered throughout the Assyrian Empire. 150 years later, Judah, the southern kingdom, was conquered by Babylon in 586 B.C. Jerusalem and Solomon's temple were burned to the ground and all but the poorest people were taken as captives back to Babylon. Now, 
God raised up a lot of prophets during that period, but I want to mention two. Habakkuk, he ministered from 620 B.C. to 605 B.C., and Jeremiah, the prophet, he ministered from 625 to 585 B.C. These two men were contemporaries. They, they preached or prophesied at the same time in the southern kingdom. They were sent to the southern kingdom of Judah at the end of its national existence. The northern kingdom had already been taken captive and defeated by Assyria, and Babylon was coming for Judah. And they were sent as sort of 11th hour prophets to warn the people, abandon your idols, come back to God, or your nation will be destroyed. Now both of these men, Habakkuk and Jeremiah, they served the Lord faithfully. And they carried out their charge to prophesy an unpopular message. Even though what they had to say was not well received, they did it anyway at great risk to themselves and at great persecution. Their countrymen rejected their messages and persisted in idol worship. In other words, their their ministries had very little effect as far as we know. And then these two men experienced all the resulting calamity that came on Judah for the idol worship. They didn't worship idols. They did what God told them to do, yet they experienced the consequences of idol worship, the destruction of their nation. And from their writings, we get insight into how they looked at their circumstances. Although both men were greatly grieved over what happened to their people and their nation, they had hope in the midst of it. That's the point I'm going for. These guys had hope in the midst of it. And they help us know how to look at the challenges coming on us, uh, our nation and our world. They didn't like what happened, and it was difficult to deal with, but they got through it. In Jeremiah chapter 32, before destruction actually came, God instructed Jeremiah to buy land in Judah. Judah's about to be destroyed. The nation of Judah is about to be destroyed, the southern kingdom of Judah. God told Jeremiah, buy land there, because men will one day live in the land. Well, that was an impossibility considering what was about to happen. I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but Jeremiah did as he was instructed. He bought land, just as God said, and he praised the Lord, his bigness and his faithfulness to keep his word, declaring that nothing is impossible for God. That's his way of saying this isn't bigger than God. Even though our nation's about to be destroyed, Lord, you're telling me to buy land here? Because men will one day live here again, I'm going to do it because this isn't bigger than you. If you keep reading in the chapter, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah again and said, You're right, nothing is too difficult for me. Let me just read these two verses, verse 27 or 26 and 27. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The point is, even though this is impossible, according to flesh, even though this seems irreversible, according to everything you know, it's not bigger than me. You know, we're all familiar with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You know those that passage. Do you know where it is? It's just a few pages earlier than what I just read you. Let me read the verse that comes before Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Let me read verse 10. 
it says, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. In other words, the context of I have a future and a hope for you is you're going to be taken as captives for Babylon where you will remain for 70 years. Now, if we do the math, anybody over 20 removed from Judah at that point to be carried back to Babylon probably spent the rest of their life in Babylon. They never went home. Where's the hope? Well, it's in the fact that there's more to life than just this life. These people, including Jeremiah, expect to be raised from the dead to live on earth again. They knew they have a future and a hope. More tomorrow. You have been listening to Diane Kennedy of Riches in Christ. To order this week's teaching on CD, be ready for our number coming up soon. Diane teaches locally every Friday night at 7.30 p.m. near Highway 44 in Jameson at 4720 Jameson. Praise and worship is provided by Mercy's Child before each lesson. Riches in Christ provides a website at www.richesinchrist.com where you can listen to this week's radio lesson, download years of teachings and outlines, sign up for free weekly outlines, and order Diane's book, God is Good and Good Means Good. Friends, knowing that God is good is the single most important thing to stand on when trouble hits. If you think the trouble comes from or is allowed by God, then you need this book. For information or to order this week's lesson on CD, call us at 1-888-739-6619. Please mention today's date. Our number again is 1-888-739-6619.